MoFax for August 12, 2019. Uh, this is episode number three. It's MoFax with Adam Curry. How you doing, Mo? I'm doing great. How you doing, Adam? I'm doing good, man. It's uh, The weeks just seem to fly by. I know. I look forward to Monday every uh, Monday of every week. <laughs> the first Monday of every week, like the second <laughs> Thursday or something like that. Yeah. Right. Um, I have a couple of up. First of all, uh, apologies about the uh, uh, the iTunes uh, for the show being available on iTunes. I submitted it, the RSS feed, and really weird. Somehow the account is so old. I haven't updated a podcast since uh, I think since No Agenda started uh, eleven years ago, and so somehow it was linked to a Dutch version of my Apple account. And <laughs> They got really confused, so I have to resubmit that. It should be uh, searchable in the uh, in the iTunes directory uh, sometime this week. So that's on me. Also, you can find the uh, RS feed, I mean, RSS feed uh, at mofax.com. Yes. Uh, we add, it's been added to the webpage, uh, so go check that out as well. Definitely. And uh, I, I got some good responses on the last show. How about you? Uh... I got good responses, and then I also got some. Uh, I was a little being a little hard on uh, the females, so I hope to bring some balance to the show on this episode. Yo, what did you do? What did you do wrong? Um, I just told what told the truth, uh, but <laughs> I think it, they they saw it as one sided. But I just wanted to dedicate the majority of the show just focusing on how they um how they're doing. Uh, identity politics and with that you have to focus on the ah, groups that are being yes, targeted yes 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 uh, yes indeed this was the whole conversation about how um political parties are trying to split uh black american men and women correct uh and really almost pit them against each other what the feedback i got is a lot of people who had no idea about the man about the house rules the 68 welfare uh, a lot of people were very uh they said wow that was eye-opening they liked that a lot Right, and I, I just think that was just a just a knee jerk reaction, thinking that it was going to be one sided. But that was just the first show uh, that we went into identity politics. So, mm-hmm. yep. on this show, we hope to bring a little balance. All right, to show how the uh, the elite are targeting um, the black community on both sides of the gender argument and using uh, the boule, both male and female. Okay, well, I'm ready. <laughs> Let's get the journey started. All right, so I. Just to finish off where we were headed last week, um, just showing on the um, with Kamala Harris. And I'd like to say, first of all, me and Kamala Harris have a will always be tied at the hip of each other because she kind of uh, got me uh, into this whole podcasting slash um, speaking out. Because, uh-huh. as you know, I started out on the Star Report with yep. Star you know, yep. on his YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. Everybody should go check that out. And one of the first call-in shows was the whole Jussie Smollett um, case. Ah, which and was which was had ties to a lot of Chicago elite, but also to Kamala Harris. Exactly. So that's how I got started because I've actually a month ahead of time I pointed out her connection uh, with the whole alleged. Let me say that alleged connection with the whole anti-lynching bill that was time, I'm saying time just so perfect with his actions. Which uh, uh, Cory Booker was also uh, a part of. Right, correct. So, and and what struck me with that was with her tweet, uh, it came out so fast. Usually politicians are very measured 
when they uh, put their support or, you know, uh, put their support behind people. But immediately those two came out and said, uh, this looks like a modern day lynching. Uh, so in, in hindsight, we know that that was a, a poorly timed tweet. And I would like to um, the first clip going into NBC panel mocks Kamala Harris for uh, for that tweet. All right. New uh, amid new revelations in the case involving the alleged attack on Empire actor Jesse Smollett. Democratic presidential candidates appear to be backing away from their initial statements. On January 29th, Senator Kamala Harris called the alleged attack on Smollett an attempted modern day lynching. Here's what she said about that tweet yesterday. Which tweet? What tweet? Uh, the, about uh, saying that it is a modern day lynching that, um, uh, sorry, <laughs> yes. Jesse Smollett. Um, uh, I, okay, so I will say this about that case. I think that the facts are still unfolding. By the way, I just got to stop. When any politician <laughs> says, I'll say this about that, they're stalling for time. Like, uh, I got to put the story together. <laughs> it's great. Sorry. <laughs> yes. Jesse Smollett. Um, I, I, okay, so I will say this about that case. I think that the facts are still unfolding, and um, I'm very um, concerned about, obviously. Can we just say it? Because that's what we used to do on this show. Okay. Can we just say it? Just say we it. We just run tape. I don't know if I want what you to we, No, no, I just talked about first instincts. Okay. She looked like she actually didn't know about the tweet. I know. And like she was looking around at a staff member going, What the? Did what? we tweet that out? I'm not, not making any excuses <laughs> for her whatsoever. It's the buck okay, stops. Okay, can we stop right there? Can we stop right there? Sure, sure. He says, We're not making any excuses for but makes the excuse that she didn't see in the tweet. Oh, yeah. Well, and, the, the, what he's saying is it looks like a staffer did the tweet. Right. Um, and that's why I chose this as the intro uh, clip into this whole segment of the show that we're going to talk about how the media has been handling Kamala with kid gloves and protecting her. Um, the title of this uh, actual clip on YouTube is MSNBC panel mocks Kamala. Right. But as you continue to listen, they defend Kamala by saying, oh, you know, some staffer did it. But you can continue with the clip now. Why you tweet that out? I'm not, not making any excuses for her whatsoever. It's the buck stops with her. Yeah. yeah. And I'm that's just what she, saying, you can tell going through her you head, can I look think. at somebody right. and you and she did. Mike, it looked like she didn't even know that tweet it's was like, going out Are you out kidding there. me? Yeah. I, I got to say, though, you're correct. It's her responsibility. I do feel we don't know. She did as well as you can do with a hum and a hum and a hum and a moment. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, yeah. you know, the turn to get more time and laugh. Are you kidding me? We tweeted that? As a former Senate staffer, um, I would really throw the staff under the bus here because, you know, yes. that's one of those moments where well, the really senator think- was asked the question and she looks at the staff and it's like, hey, boss, Okay, but you, know. you really think these candidates are tweeting 24-7? No. They no. have people tweeting for them. And let me just tell you, stop. Only tweet when you're tweeting. Yes. It's not going to work otherwise. You have people tweeting for you. Oh, it's it's not helpful. And something like that will happen. And if she did tweet that, she's going to have to completely roll it back and take ownership for it. Yeah. Because we don't know what happened. Just like with many other cases we're talking about in this country where there are allegations, that's what they are. 
accusations. We don't know what happened. And this is a problem. Everyone thinks mob rule is where we're going to go. It's not going to work in the elections. Well, it's that, not going to it, work it, for Democrats. Not- Just for, uh, for background, the name of her bill, the bill she had with Cory Booker, was Justice for Victims of Lynching Act. Legislation that would criminalize lynching for the first time in American history. The motion was passed in the House. Um, and that this article is from February 14th, 2019. Uh, and so that was a pretty fresh bill. Uh, I, I don't think it had passed at, the, at, that, at that time. No, it hadn't passed at the time. And I think this, 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 I know we're going back a little ways, but with this podcast, we haven't covered this issue, but it's very important. Um, with Jesse Smullett, for people that don't know, he left the, the noose around his neck. Yes. <laughs> uh, as a symbol of lynching. And she, I don't know if she knew about this or if she didn't know about this, but she took that opportunity to say, look, see, this is a modern day lynching in her tweet that now the MSNBC has uh, said that her staffers allegedly must have written so it's like and like i said going back the title of this video says they're mocking her yeah but it seems like they're defending her and the reason why i wanted to use this as the, as the jumping off point is like as i said before we we've seen the media protect her over and over again and we even saw this with the um the um tulsi gabbard Yes, uh, yes. The media yeah, immediately yeah. was happy to uh, comply with her messaging, which was, oh, yeah, well, you work for Putin. Right. So let's go get into Tulsi attacks. Okay. So so let's talk about the debates last night, because you had quite a moment uh, with Senator Kamala Harris calling out uh, her record as a prosecutor. I want to take a listen to what you said. Now, Senator Harris says she's proud of her record as a prosecutor and that she'll be a prosecutor president, but I'm deeply concerned about this record. There are too many examples to cite, but she put over 1,500 people in jail for marijuana violations and then laughed about it when she was asked if she ever smoked marijuana. She blocked evidence. She blocked evidence that would have freed an innocent man from death row until the courts forced her to do so. She kept people in prison beyond their sentences to use them as cheap labor for the state of California. And she fought to keep cash bail system in place that impacts poor people in the worst kind of way. Congresswoman, did you get the answer that you were looking for from Senator Harris? I got no answers, but more importantly, the American people, voters, got no answers. Senator Harris said very clearly on the debate stage last night that she's proud of her record, yet she failed to answer these very pointed questions about these parts of her record where when she was in a position of power and responsibility where she could have been a champion for the people, instead she was the exact opposite. She was perpetuating the worst part of our criminal justice system that disproportionately impacts our black and brown brothers and sisters, poor people in California. And I'm concerned about the kind of leadership that she'll bring to the White House because she's built her whole presidential campaign around being a champion for minorities, being a champion for the people. But once again, when you look at her record, and I'm not talking about a record from 30 Mm. years ago or 15 years ago, we're talking about her record in the very last job she had just a couple of years ago as attorney general in California. 
Yeah. Now, my understanding is uh, we actually can't look at her record uh, as her record has been removed from the uh, California District Attorney website. Surprise, surprise. And, <laughs> Gee, and, you wonder and, why. And to, be honest, and, and to be honest with you, if we were able to look at the record, it has just been poo-pooed. Uh, she's just doing her job. Yeah. She was just, she was, it's her job to lock up people, you know what I'm saying, as, you know, as the top cop of California. Uh, but you can't be pro uh, police reform and have the record that she does. And I would like to bring attention to something else that she has in her, her closet of many skeletons. Her first campaign she ran on, she used a fire of it could have been a black or brown person looking at as a gang member with tattoos and holding a pistol. So huh. she has been very uh pro police, which I mean that if that's her choice, I mean I have no issue with that. Uh if that's where you stand. My issue with her is that she goes back and forth. She wants to be tough on her record. But then say, oh, no, I wasn't really tough on my record. Uh, so what we see here in this next clip of the post-debate fact check is we start to see uh, even local news uh, spinning it to protect uh, Kamala Harris. KPX5 political reporter Melissa Kane has a look at the facts. Now, Senator Harris says she's proud of her record as a prosecutor and that she'll be a prosecutor president, but I'm deeply concerned about this record. Congresswoman Tulsi Gabbard did not hold back at last night's debate, taking aim at Senator Kamala Harris's record as California's attorney general. But we wanted to know, were Gabbard's claims true? She put over 1,500 people in jail for marijuana violations and then laughed about it when she was asked if she ever smoked marijuana. Did Harris put 1,500 people in jail for marijuana violations? Well, as attorney general, she would not have personally prosecuted drug cases. That 1,500 <laughs> number was reported by the Washington Free Beacon. They claim that based on numbers from the Department of Corrections, at least 1,560 people were sent to state prisons for marijuana-related offenses between 2011 and 2016. That's when Harris was the attorney general. And did Harris laugh about her own marijuana? want to use well so, here's a radio yeah, a interview from february of this year have you ever smoked i have okay like and, I, and i inhale i didn't i did inhale gabbard also seemed to refer to the case of death row inmate kevin cooper she blocked evidence that would have freed an innocent man from death row until the courts forced her to do so it is true that as attorney general harris refused to allow advanced dna testing that could free cooper He's on death row for murdering a family in 1983. Governor Gavin Newsom ordered a full DNA testing earlier this year, but we don't know the results yet, so we can't say Cooper is an innocent man. In 2018, now Senator Harris changed her mind and did endorse the DNA testing. Now, Tulsi Gabbard also accused Kamala Harris of fighting to keep California's cash bail system in place, which is true. But since becoming a senator, Harris has also introduced legislation to end the cash bail system. Look forward to September's yeah. debate. Yeah. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Soon enough. Fewer people on stage. <laughs> yeah. More fun. More so. Wow. They basically gave no information. That was good. It's exactly. It was just a whole bunch of talking. And it was <laughs> nothing. Uh, yeah. Where she didn't try the cases herself. I mean, uh, I think everybody knows she went standing up in the courtroom and, and, and try every one of those 1500 cases is that she oversaw, oversaw the system right. that, that locked these people up. But as you see, 
even down, and I, that's why I wanted to use that clip was even down to the local news. They're they're protecting her, uh, and I think this is coming from a high place that they really want her to be the candidate. Now, how does uh, how does how does that work with is is Joe Biden then just there to as a placeholder? I mean, he certainly seems like it, but is he just a placeholder? I I believe so. I think I think they think this is just my personal opinion. I think they think that Joe will gap himself out. Eventually, he's going to drop the gaff of all gaffs, and, and he'll remove himself. And he has he has the same track record with her as far as the criminal justice system is concerned. Oh yeah, because he helped write the you know, the ninety four crime bill. Yes, the super um, predators bill, and there's a lot of other stuff that. Right, so he has the same negatives as her, and if they can get it down to those two mm-hmm. on 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 the um in, in on the, the stage, yes, in the final elimination round. Right. But the problem is when you have people like Tulsi coming in and lobbing, you know, these attacks that she lobbed at her, these hit hard. So where I want to head with this is one of the big uh, mistakes she made was laughing about smoking weed. And where she did that was was the Breakfast Club. And you brought up Charlemagne the God. Yes. On uh, the last episode, I think. On episode one. Oh, one. Yes. yes, Yeah. yeah. And. I started digging, like, whenever you start this with me, <laughs> this is something you had to know about me. Whenever I start, like, something gets in my brain, I have to get to the bottom of it. So you asked me about Charlemagne the God, and he is in, he is in a very powerful, powerful position. And well, let's figure out why the Breakfast Club is a uh, required stop for presidential candidates. The hosts admit they have an agenda, but they don't always have the same agenda. Do you feel like uh, white candidates get treated differently than black candidates in here? Absolutely. How in so? here isn't in the breakfast club? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I can say that. Well, how do you figure? I don't necessarily think so. I can say that because I'm, I'm, I'll tell you straight up, I'm not looking to elect any more white males, especially for president. You know, I like somebody like Mayor Pete, but when it comes to those old white guys, they're not even going to be here to see the future. So why should they dictate policies <laughs> on the future? And I don't trust them. It's hard. I think that white male entitlement and privilege has been a super detriment to this country. So yes, when these old white males come in, the, in, this, in this room and you can see the entitlement on them and you can see the privilege on them, yes. I do feel a, a different way about that. And I would likely say I feel more of a connection with women and with uh, people of color when they come up here. I'm looking for somebody that's going to run this country the right way. I don't care if you're old. I don't care if you're black, if you're a woman. I just want you to run this country the right way. Look, they've embraced the Breakfast Club. Democratic Party has embraced the Breakfast Club. Have they embraced the issues that the Breakfast Club listeners have they embraced embrace? black issues? I think that this is the first time we've heard this many candidates talk about a black agenda. This many candidates talk about reparations. I think for a long time they have been ignoring their most loyal fan base, which is black people. And I think that a great question that is being asked is, you know, why do we continue to vote Democrat, you know, for, for just because? Wow. Uh, there's a lot. This is loaded with stuff there. First of all, as a, an older white male, <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> all right. So I got it. Not wanted. I'm not as old as Joe. Uh, I think they answered your question about Joe Biden. 
Yeah, oh, that totally answers it. And I even heard, look, I don't even mind if the person's old, person of color, a woman, anything but white. <laughs> that excludes excludes uh, Joe because he's uh, the combo is bad. Um, but yeah, I, I've only heard Charlemagne talk about, you know, actually only about Kamala Harris. And then kind of, it's interesting that he says, or uh, I don't know if it was his co-host, uh, oh yeah, well this is, you know, the, the we need, candidates are talking about black agenda. Well, really? I, Kamala Harris isn't really talking about a black agenda. She's not really talking about reparations. And I had a clip slip. Uh, and if anybody wants to create a, uh, <laughs> a jingle for that, I had a clip slip. Uh, because she was interviewed by the Grio. And it's a very important clip. And I'll, I'll bring it uh, or either link it somewhere. Mm-hmm. But she was asked, are you going to do anything specifically for black people? And she said, no. <laughs> what <are> you? <laughs> Wait, she was asked on The Breakfast Club? No, on The Grio. Oh. The Grio interviewed oh. her post-nomination. Uh, uh-huh. Announced her nomination and what she was and, and uh, what she was she going was she doing things specifically for black people? She said no. And I God, I hate I don't have that clip. Um, uh, but, I don't know. Might, well, I'll take I your word for it. it. No, I'll take your word for it. I, I'm yeah, sure she did. But, it. but what what pisses me off is Charlemagne knows this. He didn't ask her anything about reparations. He didn't ask her anything about a black agenda. And then he lets her come on his show. And float this BS bio of hers. Mm, the bio. Yes, Thank welcome you. Senator good to Harris. Be here. Now, for those who may not know, let us know a little uh, about yourself. You're from the Bay Area, right? I'm, I was born in Oakland. Okay. Um, and I went to Howard. Mm-hmm. I uh, went out of uh, Howard to law school in California. I started my career in the DA's office in Oakland, California. Mm-hmm. And um, then I was elected the first black woman to be elected a district attorney in the state of California, wow. in San Francisco. I was there for two terms, and then I was elected Attorney General of California, making me the first woman and the first African American ever elected as an Attorney General. Hey, what wow. the fuck is she Jamaican too? Yeah, man. Wagwan, Brad Grant. I've got to throw the Jamaican out there then, I guess. Right, and she used first black, first African American, and for the untrained ear. All right, let me give you some. This is where I come in with the inside baseball. The way she shaped her bio on this show was so disingenuous because she says, I was born in Oakland, Oakland being predominantly black. Uh, it has a lot of historical black uh, importance. You know, you have the Black Panthers that was um, sure. uh, large, I mean, St. Huge in that community. And even he asked her about being affiliated with the Black Panthers. It wasn't really clippable. Uh, Cause it was a lot of over talking, mm-hmm. but she was like, Oh yeah, they inspired me. I'm like, Whoa, <laughs> hold on. You're the top cop. And the black Panthers. Is fr- well, but Mo, this was also the interview where she, uh, she said, Oh yeah, no, I, uh, I would smoke weed while listening to, uh, to uh, Tupac. Who, who right, hadn't Tupac, even, hadn't even released his new. album when she was so was apparently smoking weed. Right. And they even the whole breakfast club came out with a uh, an excuse saying, well, I asked her one question and she said yes to another question that Charlemagne was asking her some some BS. Oh, okay. But back to the inside baseball, the way she shaped this was I was born in Oakland. Then I went off to Howard Howard University, for those not knowing, is a is a uh, HBCU. Uh, it has a very um, historically rich- back black college university. Yes. Yes, historically black college and university. It has a very rich history. 
Um, but the way she shaped that is she lived in. Oh, this is what was what would be heard when she said that. I lived in Oakland all my life. Man, that's not true. And I'm. We we know this, but until the untrained ear, or if you if the way she framed it or shaped it, I lived in Oakland all my life until I went to Howard, and then I came back to Oakland to fight for civil rights. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's it's yeah. That's I guess that's kind of true. All my life, I was just living somewhere else for a while, wasn't it? Uh, she right. If Adam, what what is not true about that statement? If if I, as a black person, was to to take that as she stated it, what would be the problem with that statement? What with the uh, I lived there her all bio. my life, with, but then I yeah, came with back. Her bio. Yeah. Yes. When she came back, where did you come back from? Where you were all your life in Oakland. Right. First of all, she didn't live in Oakland all her life, as she tried to make it seem. Right. She lived in Canada, Canada. for um, I'm saying for a major chunk of her life. Yeah. Second of all, she lived with her mother only, who was Indian. Um, so she wasn't bathed in the blackness. Um, and honestly, I think that Howard was a very uh, this is just me being cynical, was a very calculated move by her if she had political aspirations. To say, you know, I checked off, checked this off of my black card. Right. So that's that's where we're at with that. So, but with Charlemagne, he has not been, uh, he's been open, openly supportive of Kamala Harris and the fact that he would vote for her, as you see in this next clip. If I had to vote for somebody right now today, it would definitely be Kamala Harris. And the reason it would be Kamala Harris is because I was liking Kamala before she even announced, you know, she was running for president. She was on Breakfast Club last year. And, you know, I had been following her for the past two or three years. And, you know, um, like, I just was intrigued by Kamala Harris for some reason. Like, I, I know people question her record as a prosecutor, but it was a lot of the things that she was doing in that space that I thought was very progressive, like the back on track program and, you know, making her officers wear body cameras, like stuff like that had me engaged. Like, wow, who is this? Kamala Harris. And of course, she's a black woman, you mm-hmm. know, so I was definitely intrigued by that. That's just natural. Like, right. that, that could be my my sister. That could be my, you know, aunt. That could be my, you could know, be one of your daughters. my daughters, right. you know what I mean? My friend, like, of course, black women. So it's like, I'm intrigued by that. So I was, I was like, yo, she could be president. I always thought that. If you go back and watch our first interview, I told her, like, yo, if you run, you know, we'll yeah. support you. Now, I just had to have some questions about her, 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 her record as a prosecutor, but she's a prosecutor prosecutors do yeah i'd have to say that uh when he says you know i'm as much a black woman uh, as kamala harris is in the way he's, he's putting it like no not this at is all. this slippery slope of yeah. what black, is black blackness yes right and and this is why the term ados has been so powerful because now you can't just use this blanket term of black you know and and cloak yourself in it uh, and he and he said a lot in that statement. Um, he said that uh, I would I would question her um, her record. Why didn't you? You had her on your show twice, and you never questioned her record. And then you go on to say, well, she did some good things too. But as Tulsi Gabbard says, she did these things up until um, in, in her last job. I may be jumping ahead, but w- what you're clearly laying out before us here, Mo, is uh, that Charlemagne the God is compromised in some way. 
Charlamagne the God is very compromised. Uh, let's go to uh, this is him defending her post the Tulsi Gabbard situation. Out front now, Charlemagne the God. And I know we played that moment before. It was a, it was an important moment. You talked about how genuine she seemed. And now, obviously, uh, you know, you were talking about legalizing marijuana during that exchange. Mm-hmm. Congresswoman Gabbard has come out and put forth, oh, well, you know, these 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 people that she put behind bars for marijuana. What did you make of that moment in the debate last uh, night? I, th- I didn't think it was a genuine moment simply because if you want to attack, you know, Senator Harris for, I guess, you know, contributing to putting people in jail for drugs, then why wouldn't you attack Joe Biden, too? If you were, if your you know, purpose was to combat somebody for the war on drugs, I mean, the author of the 94 crime bill and 88 crack laws was sitting right there in front of you. Nah. So I just thought it was kind of low-hanging fruit to go after Senator Harris for that. But, yo, nobody, everybody should be questioned on their record. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> wow. Not only, <laughs> not only shilling for Kamala, but torpedoing Joe. Exactly. And everybody should be questioned on her record, on their record, except Kamala. Yeah. Uh, except when she's on my show. We don't have to do that. We don't ask exactly. about weed. And that's what the Breakfast Club is supposed to be about, asking, but, asking but Mo, the tough questions. But Mo, how uh, twisted is it that, and I, I, I'm sure you're going to show us how Charlemagne is compromised, that the guy who is actually there to push her, defend against others, discredit Joe Biden, is the one who messed it up and had this ha-ha funny moment about the weed, which is now being used as the main bomb against her. Right. That I, I think that's karma. I mean, I think that's just, I mean, uh, you, uh, when you don't take things seriously and you're, all, you're light and, you know, and loose, those kind of dumb questions come out and ask themselves. Yeah. And her laughing about it, yeah. um, that was bad. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So let's listen to her, her, him defend her a little bit more. You know, her, you know, Joe Biden on that stage were the big guns. So everybody was, you know, Amy. coming up, coming up against them. I mean, and, you know, G- Gabbard, I can't even pronounce her name. Is it Gabbard? She is at zero percent. So you yeah. like the swagger. You like that. I don't mean tr- to- zero percent is a talking point that Kamala Harris raised herself right after the that debate. Sure. You like that. I don't mean truth. to be immodest. Yeah, it's the truth. Even though she should have had that swagger on the stage last night because she did. She was terrible on the stage last night. OK. Yeah, All right. Yeah, yeah. Is she still your favorite or? Um, yeah, she's still my favorite simply because our current president is a criminal. And who better to go up against a criminal than a prosecutor? Ah, like, so. Trump needs to be prosecuted. <laughs> yeah, that is the campaign talking point. Wow. Yeah, Charlemagne's read in perfectly. He has it all. And as I call him now, his new name is Charlemagne the Guard. <laughs> yes. That's his name. Yes. Because that's what he does. He is, I'm going to say this, I honestly, honestly believe Charlemagne the God is her protect her her attack guard, and he's going to protect her with everything. And that makes me believe that uh, Charlemagne is part of the Boule, aka for those who don't know, B O U L E Boule, which is nothing but the Black Skull and Bones. That's not my statement. That's the author of the book that wrote the book on uh, Boule. Uh, that's what they like to turn themselves as, which we all know, or most of us know, is um. Skull and Bones is one of the groups linked in with the Illuminati. And I don't really like using that term because it's been so overused. Uh, trivialized, yeah, overused, overused, trivialized, yeah. and watered down. But let's just hear Charlemagne talk about the Illuminati. Hip-hop's obsession with the Illuminati is the fact that they can't figure out how to say when their own people are successful. Black people in general. A black man in America can't just be successful without, you know, 
and this is amongst other black people. Other black people will say, oh, he must be an Illuminati. Uh, oh, he sold his soul. Uh, oh, he must be gay. You can't just be talented. You just can't work your ass off. You can't just be smart. It has to be something else connected to your success because people want to try to justify their own failures. Yeah, that's not just uh, with with uh, the boule. That's with uh, all entertainment. All entertainment is that way. You've got to walk the ladder. So, so this is where you come in. You're the expert on this topic. I don't want to get understand too sidetracked, but is being in that industry totally off of talent? I mean, you you've been at the height of heights uh, in the entertainment industry. Well, uh, 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 let me answer that. No, uh, yes, because I have not been at the height of heights because I never played the game. I just wanted to do my job. I never went to parties. Actually, eight years MTV, no one ever offered me drugs. Well, weed, but no, nothing other than that. Um, I, ne- I never played uh, with anything. And did I get invited? Was I asked to go places? Yeah, but I just never did it. So I never got any further than VJ, which, believe me, is pretty much, before we had podcasting, the lowest rung on the show business ladder. So Okay. But yes, I've seen many people ascend, uh, and I've... Uh, um, and I've always seen the company they keep and understand pretty well how it works. It's never been for me. Right. So as you say on, no, on the No Agenda podcast, um, the truth always, always, always wants, wants to, to come, come out. out. Yep, it does. Right. So let's listen to part two. Nobody black would be in the Illuminati. We just not in their class. Sorry. Unless they use us for influence, which I could see. You know, I can see them using us for influence to influence, you know, the the, the youth and and put certain images and things in our mind. I can see that. But other than that, no. And once again, there is no there there is not if it is, it's it's the the most it's the most terrible kept secret ever. If it's if it's a secret society. Oh, well, yes. And the images we put into the music videos is exactly what was done. (laughs) And the way he shapes uh the political narrative on his show every day. Um, he just, he said, he just went there and he just clearly stated what he's doing now. Yeah. <laughs> Literally <laughs> what he's doing. Yes. You're right. Well, I could see using it for influence. Yeah. I, I mean, I could see that. Now let me, ask, yeah. let me ask you a question. The, uh, the boule, you say it's uh skull and bones. Skull and bones was, uh, Yale. Uh, Correct. and I believe Kamala went to Yale. Did she not? I, I'm not sure she went. I'm, no, I'm not sure that. I thought I she, was she, went from Howard, she went from Howard. She went from I think some school in California. I mm. think US, USC, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. I thought she maybe was a law degree. I think that was Obama you're thinking about. And he, he was, he was well, going to sure. up. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. So let's listen to part three. And you, even I know this is the last thing I'm gonna say. I, when you look up the word Illuminati, though, all it means is the enlightened ones. That's all the definition of Illuminati means. It means the enlightened people of our society. So these are the people that are enlightened. What's wrong with being enlightened? You know what I'm saying? Like, what's wrong with having knowledge, having wisdom, having understanding? What's wrong with just being an enlightened person? If there is a thing as Illuminati, and that's what it is, is the, the enlightened people. Yes, I want to be one of the enlightened people. That's what I read books for to try to be one of the highly enlightened people of my society like yes every day i strive for knowledge i want to be a better person like what's wrong with being enlightened like so so basically on the record 
Charlemagne is saying that he wants to be in the in the Illuminati. If there was an Illuminati and it is of the enlightened people, why wouldn't I be? Why wouldn't I want to be? Why wouldn't I? Why wouldn't I want to be where all the knowledge is at? Why wouldn't I want to know the world's secrets? Why wouldn't I? Why wouldn't I? Well, just do your best, son, and you'll be leveled up to the appropriate knowledge. <laughs> he's he's. I think that was his uh, uh, application. Yeah, <laughs> he was submitting he his application. Yes. Like, hey, you know, I, love I got it. influence. Yeah, I can influence young minds. I got this huge platform. If you need me, you know, use me. And so he had um, what was the farmer bro? I can't pronounce his name. Uh, the oh, one who was raising um, prices. Uh, Scarilli, Martin Scarilli. Right, he was on the Breakfast Club, and I want you to listen to this inter uh, uh, exchange they had between him and um. Charlemagne. That's you a know, separate I, subject. I was at a, I was at Bridget Capital yesterday, which is a great hedge fund place. Of course, it is. I didn't see nobody in there with mask on, a bunch of goons talking crazy the way you was talking. Bridger, yeah, I wonder what you're doing there. Anyway, um... <laughs> <laughs> really? Yes, I was, sir. I know people too. Damn. Yeah. Right. Really? Okay. Yeah. That's some that's some Illuminati shit right there. Don't worry about me. Okay. 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 I'm gonna buy me a two million dollar album one that, day. That just that <laughs> totally you totally changed every. Like my blew up my brain. He was just cleaning right the toilet. Yeah. No, I wasn't yeah, actually. But <laughs> good. Um, I'm gonna sit. Uh, gotta take a different attitude now. Hey, I should be listening to the Charlemagne show. This this is on the air. Yes, <laughs> this is on the air. Uh, so Bridger Capital is it like some huge? I mean, maybe you know more than I do. I couldn't find much about them, but it's this huge uh, hedge fund. Hedge fund. Mm-hmm. And when he said he was there, the the farmer bro, um, this one I'm gonna call him, um, was like, really? "What, yeah. really? Like, what the hell are you doing there?" Well, you he, know, so it, yeah. he's been involved in a lot of weird stuff, so it wouldn't be out of character for him to be with other weird people, right? So I'm just saying the fact that that was unprompted that yeah. he even associated him with the Illuminati, quote unquote Illuminati, but the. Uh, as Charlemagne said, the enlightened. What did he say about? <laughs> what did he, I couldn't quite hear. It. He said something about two million dollars. Oh, so okay. The, a little background on this. He brought him on the show because the uh, the farmer bro. How you say his name again? Uh, Scarelli. Scarelli. Okay, Scarelli. Um, bought this Wu Tang album. There was only one copy of All it right, for two yeah. million dollars. Right. And so he was perceived as being disrespectful to one or uh, a few of the members of Wu-Tang and that's why Charlemagne had him on and right from the beginning Charlemagne laid into him um, and this is Charlemagne's style so the contrast of how he's handling Kamala to how he usually handles guests I mean usually he's like up front like right on it yeah cutting you know, people um, down sure sure right so and then the exchange happened that he said oh yeah I was over at Bridger Capital and the dude was like, you should have seen his face. He's like, his eyeballs got all, all big. And he was like, what? <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> what were you doing over there? And he's like, oh, that's some Illuminati crap right there. You know, so all so, that to say, you remember that white privilege? Yes. Uh, what 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 did uh, Charlemagne call it? The old white man privilege? Yes. Um, Charlemagne has been the recipient of this old white man privilege. The reason why I say that is and this climate of me too, he has his own allegations, oh. as you'll see in this next clip. Charlemagne the God's rape allegations resurface, and we have an exclusive interview with his alleged victim. 
Hey guys, it's Allie for Hollywood Life. And Charlemagne the God's rape accuser, Jessica Reed, wants the case reopened 17 years after he was arrested for allegedly having sex with her when she was just 15 years old. Here are the details. Charlemagne was charged for sexual misconduct and he ended up pleading guilty to a lesser charge at the time. Well, the victim, Jessica Reed, tells us how this all allegedly happened, revealing she met Charlemagne, who was in his 20s at the time, in 2001 through a mutual friend and a DJ. A few days later, Charlemagne called her and expressed his interest in her, but she told him she wasn't interested, and they agreed to just be friends. According to Jessica, Charlemagne invited her to his cousin's birthday party, apparently playing it off as his own to convince Jessica to pass by. Charlemagne reportedly picked her up and a friend and drove them to a party filled with guys and only two other women. Jessica alleges that at the party, Charlemagne spiked her drink with something, and she ended up passing out in the bathroom. While she was unable to move after she fell down, Jessica says she could see and hear Charlemagne and his friends laughing at her. She claims that Charlemagne's friends took her upstairs where they allegedly violated her. Then, she alleged, Charlemagne later came in the room, took his clothes off, got in bed with her, took her clothes off, and proceeded to have sex with her. Jessica and her friend got help from a stranger, and she eventually went to the hospital. Jessica tells us she felt betrayed by Charlemagne and was encouraged to speak out after seeing him trying to discredit the situation when he was speaking to DJ Academics. As of this recording, Charlemagne's reps responded back to us with a statement from his attorney, Michael Weinstein, of Lavely Singer. Charlemagne was accused of a sexual assault. He never had sexual relations or any physical contact with the accuser and even provided DNA to prove it. At the time of these claims, Charlemagne cooperated fully with authorities, and after the investigation, this charge against him was dropped. Charlemagne has spoken about this many times over the years in public, including in his book, While Charlemagne has empathy for all sexual assault victims, he cannot take responsibility for a crime he did not commit. But all right, as this story continues to develop, you guys can click right up here to get all the latest updates. Okay. Adam, had you you heard of that story before you heard it here? Uh, I don't think so. It's a 17-year-old story. Um, I I don't remember this at all. But it, it spiked back up during the whole Me Too thing. Right. But it got no traction at all. And so that got me to wondering, hmm. And, you, and you'd think that, you know, uh, a guy with 8 million listeners to his morning radio show, this would be an interesting target to take down. Very interesting. Especially that he's been, um, he's been very uh, politically imp- uh, incorrect. He's not, you know what I'm saying? He, he, he's, um, he has stories about uh, him using Spanish fly. I mean, this is not the only thing that, you know what I'm saying, he said out of the way. So, like you said, he seems like a very big target to take down. Mm-hmm. But nothing. So, so he's, that, he's got some bulletproofness to him. Why? And the question is why? When you see certain people not being going, uh, um, being taken down, why? In my personal opinion, I think he has a job to do. Uh, he, the way he carries himself, he's seen as a, a quote unquote real guy. You know, uh, he was on the show Guy Code on MTV. Oh yeah. So I'm, yeah. So he has this. He's not uh one of these like um uh he wouldn't be seen as a panderer. Right. So if his support for Kamala, if he if he supports Kamala, is seen as coming from real black men. Got it. Going back to what we talked about before in the previous shows, where are Democrats hurting it with their numbers? 
black male voters and black right. voters overall. So, so he's in, a very valuable piece. Yes. He's an asset that is meant to keep the uh, the black men in line with the messaging. Right. And uh, to promote, in this case, the right, quote unquote, black woman uh, for them to uh, lean towards. Right. And then he could attack Joe as well. Because it's not seen as like some kind of feminist movement, you know, attack. <laughs> Quite honestly, that, anyone could attack Joe with both hands behind their back. There's so much to attack. Right. So <clears throat> in investigating Charlemagne the God, I came across, or the guard, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, I came across some uh, interesting panel. And you were talking about uh, last week about these think tanks. Yes. So on this panel was Charlemagne the Guard. Um, a reporter from Forbes magazine whose name is Zach O'Malley Greenberg. Um, it was um, uh, T.I. rapper T.I. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tip Harris and um David Groves. So, oh, I know that name. I knew you would recognize that. <laughs> name. Yes, I do. I do. <laughs> Would you like to explain to us how you recognize that name, Adam? Yes. Um, I have a weird habit of when someone uh, is lauded by any group, uh, certainly if they die, you know, I always look into what they were doing. And this been, this, it's kind of weird, but I, you know, I'd, I've been hearing stories about, oh, this, this rapper, this hip hopper, et cetera. And then I go look at the lyrics and like, what are you defending this guy for? And that's how it initially started. When, when Nipsey Hussle died, I knew nothing about Nipsey Hussle. I knew one little thing about him, and uh, that was because he was involved in uh, a cryptocurrency initial coin offering in Amsterdam around the same time I was involved in the crypto community in Amsterdam. So I knew that he was in—and and these, these things are basically kind of scamish. Where, you know, you get, you get, and you know, we've had Snoop with some crypto stuff and it was, you know, it's that market is kind of dead now, but the the idea is you get someone of some fame to endorse it. You release your crypto coin. People see the, the celebrity, they buy the coin. Everybody is already in the coin. So it starts to go up. Then everybody massively sells it, dumps out. And then, you know, they've made their money. Um, I don't know if I don't think their coin actually ever launched, but that's how I knew Nipsey Hustle. And as I started looking into it, I'm like, "There's a lot. You know, why are we? Why is everyone celebrating this guy? What they had a whole? What was the the venue in uh, L.A.? They um, Staples Center. Staples Center. Like, holy crap! So I start looking into the guy, and then I see, you know, all these claims. Because when people make blanket claims, I, I listen to it. Uh, well, you know, he's really doing stuff for his community. And I start looking into it, and I'm like, doing stuff for his community, it seems like he was actually working with a bunch of, well, with this Grohl guy uh, and these big real estate developers, and they were taking over stuff. And when I saw that they intended to buy the strip mall where um, where his uh, his shop is, where he was gunned down, uh, it wasn't to build affordable housing. It was to build new retail and, you know, uh, new apartments and residential units and I'm like, hold on a second. So I start looking a little further, and it seems like this is something that's going on with a number of people. Uh, DJ Khaled, uh, I think Jay Z's name came up, and then they're all looking to buy the, you know, a Viceroy property. It's a very upscale hotel. I'm like, eh, no, no, no. This seems like the guy's either being used or he's in some cabal. 
Um, and that's how I know the girl name. Okay, so at the same time you were doing your investigation, I was doing my own in, in independent investigation. Yeah, we, we didn't know each other at all. We didn't. You we, heard we the show, had, but yeah, I didn't we didn't know have you. any no. connection whatsoever. Well, as you said, whenever somebody's put on a certain level, and this, let me say this first of all, I have to say this disclaimer. This is not anything against Nipsey Hussle. You know, he was tragically, you know what I'm saying, taken. Um, but we have to look and see why they stopped broadcast television to to show his funeral. Only certain people are a lot, I'm saying, are are put on that level. Yes. Uh he was it's been stated that he was given the Michael Jackson funeral. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> You're right. Very very similar. Right. Very, very, very similar. So, so I started digging. And at the same time I was listening to your show, I was like, we're on the same path because you, you brought forward the same uh, facts that you just laid out there. So right after that, I think the word was starting to bubble under the surface and Jay-Z comes out and convinces people via freestyle that gentrifying your own hood is a good thing. Oh, yeah. It's like we might as well do it uh, before the white man does. Right. So this is what this panel, this think tank. And that's why I say I'm going to show you balance. This is what the male boot side of the boule looks like. Um, They're trying to convince people that uh, coming in, bringing big capital uh, uh, into the into the hood is somehow good uh, for the community is a good thing. Uh, So. The the L shaped plans that you spoke about that him and uh, uh David Gross bought uh for a couple million dollars. I first found this article uh when I was doing my digging, uh Forbes magazine, and the title was Inside Nipsey Hustle's Blueprint to Become a Real Estate Mogul. And this was written on February 20th. This is prior to his um as uh, untimely death. And in there. They state that they bought the uh, plaza and they were going to tear it down. And within 18 months or so, they were going to knock everything down. This is quote the article and rebuild a six story residential building on uh, top of a commercial plaza where a revamped marathon store will be anchored or will be the anchor tenant. And I I actually made a video about this on my YouTube channel uh, titled Jay-Z and gentrification. And I go into this whole article, Jay-Z saying we should use eminent domain. Um, but on right. that panel, let's listen to T.I. explain gentrification. I want to ask a question. Why do you think other people see gold in our neighborhoods and we don't? Mm. Well, I think I think because it's by design. You know, I, I, I do believe that at a certain point in time, there's a strategy by the powers that be that sit in ivory towers and look down and, at all the poverty that exists and says, well, we'll just let that go on for so long. Okay, well, then we'll tear down the projects and we'll push people out to the outskirts and then we'll get enough people to come in and invest our money on things like stadiums and domes. And because most of the stadiums and domes are right across the street from poverty-stricken areas. So once they build these stadiums and domes and billions of dollars are being ingested into this community, well then there's nothing left to do but come by and buy all of the blighted property in the area and fix it up. And before you know it, you got, you know, white people walking their dog down the street. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? And that's when you know your property just went up. You know? uh, (laughs) 
<laughs> now, isn't this exactly what Jay Z did with the uh, with the Nets? This is exactly what he did in Brooklyn. Uh, they used him as he was the he was the blueprint. Um, they put him up front for the Brooklyn Nets. Um, which, which is, I think, if you asked anybody on the street, they'd say, "Oh yeah, Jay Z owns it." But I think he owns like zero point zero zero one percent or some really it, small. It was, I think it was like point two five percent. of the yeah. Nets. Yeah. But they used him. They set him courtside. Yep. Like he was calling the shots. Uh, they used him because he was from Brooklyn. Um, in a similar fashion, how they used Nipsey and um. And, and 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 Crenshaw. Now, this is actually uh, very very important uh, in my mind. Is uh, the way, and it's entertainment people in general. It's not a black or white issue. Um, you know, you, people have perceived success and wealth, and a lot of that is controlled by others much higher on the literal pyramid. Um, and they'll use that ultimately for their gains. But you know, it's disingenuous, and it, it happens across the board. Where uh, you know where people think the Kardashians, I think, is a very good example. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you know. Oh, what's the Kylie? Oh, she's worth a billion dollars. You ask anybody. Yep, she's worth a billion dollars. No, <laughs> no, no. She's she's rich. She ain't that wealthy. And it's because people who are really running the show really own the properties. Right. So, and this is what they do. They take. Not only can you advertise for a product, but you can advertise an idea. Yes. And this idea has been, um, Jay-Z was the first to do it uh, as far as using a, a, a black face to, to bring gentrification in. Because if you, you know, if you use the businessman to do it, you'll get pushback. Right. But the way they shape it is these guys are giving back to the hood. Now, who will be living in that six-story apartment building that Nipsey Hussle and his and, and his uh, business partner was building? And, uh, one small fact: when you go look at the paperwork, guess whose name is not on the paperwork? Uh, Nipsey Hussle. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that figures. It's proven, and it's so much so that uh, David Gross has been getting death threats. Over this because people feel like he used Nipsey Hussle. Why, you know, when it's so obvious that this happens, why do people still buy this? They not care, and especially people who are living in the neighborhood that is about to be gentrified. And Jay Z admits it, says it, says, "Hey, we got to do it before," and and he's in the process of doing it in uh, in Brooklyn. It's not the people that live in the neighborhood that are for it. It's you shaping popular opinion of the people outside. Right. That where the the people that you sell your products to, uh, as we know, rap music is not majorly bought by black people. No. It's bought by um, teenage white girls. Exactly. So with that the case, they got to make sure they keep it real, quote unquote, keep it real Mm. so that you don't seem like you're selling out. So you keep your fan base all the while pushing these capitalistic ideas that will uh victimize the people that live in those neighborhoods right and that's what they do so let's let's listen to why they use nipsey hustle i think i I think one of the things i want to point out and and uh, you've seen it woven through the discussion in in today but the there's a lot of concern about the opportunity zones that money will come into the community and overwhelm the community and push people out uh the the great thing about our, our opportunity 
is that it identifies the players and the value in the community and tries to get the money behind them. And so we take someone like Nipsey Hussle who's been demonstrating his skill, his value, uh, what he can bring to the neighborhood, and it gets the resources behind him so that he can own Slauson Plaza. And, and let me just point out Slauson Plaza. The Olympics are coming to Los Angeles in 2028. Every person that takes mass transit from LAX has to make a train stop at Slauson Plaza. Ah, wow. Every single person. Bar none. So that's the kind of information we try to, again, pair together and say, this is an opportunity. The- now, remind me, who is this speaking? That is the um, councilman uh, of that, you know I'm saying, of that district. Wow. Uh, wow. He was I, also- I didn't know this about the, that being the stop. That's fantastic. Right. So I covered that in my video if you guys want to go check that out. And they even mentioned it in the article. This is not new. Uh, it says, in the meantime, a light rail line is rising to link Crenshaw, which is crucially qualifies as a tax advantage opportunity zone to Los Angeles International Airport. So this thing is sitting on a gold mine. Wow. A gold mine, especially with the uh, 20, uh, 2028 Olympics coming. Now, now, to be fair, if, and I don't know anything about the area other than the, the strip mall. It, yeah, it would push people out, but it would, by default, also bring a lot of money into that very neighborhood. I mean, I can see how you can turn around and say, yo, 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 but it's going to bring money in. It's just you'll have to move back a little bit. But I can see where that would work. If you look at my video, you'll see how they use the rail um, system to put people out of business that were, you know, the, the mom and pop shops in that community. That's <laughs> called progress, Mo. Right. Right. The other thing is that you cover on the No Agenda show is where do these people go? Crenshaw was the last stop for a reason. Yeah. After that, you're living in RVs, tents, you know, so it's once you take the last refuge for poor people and like I'm not anti-capital, I'm not anti um, uh, money making, um, but my problem is the hypocrisy. Yeah. Uh, because it's one thing I said in this statement uh, that I just read: tax advantage opportunity zone. Do you know? Do you are you familiar with that? Term? Uh, I, I no, but I can surmise that it means uh, if you commit to putting money into a certain area, then you will have tax, uh, no tax, or tax breaks, maybe even a refund based upon what you're doing. Happens all the time. It's similar to Amazon coming into. Uh, uh, coming into New York and uh, getting all kinds of tax breaks. Correct. And, and I, I, we're going to get to the punchline here, um, but let's first, let's listen to uh, T.I. on the war on drugs. You know, um, it's giving us a chance to pass on more to our kids than just trauma, you know? And and, and I think that, you know, we, we come from environments where you have people that are dealing with a lot of pain and they're dealing with a lot of hurt. And I think environment plays a big role in that. You know, the conditions that you grow up in play a big role in that. A lot of these brothers and sisters are just products of their environment. So I think when you're creating something like our opportunity where you're keeping the money in the community and you're providing opportunities for the community, you're making people feel like better versions of themselves. You know, and if you feel like a better version of yourself, if you truly, you know, love yourself, you truly value yourself and appreciate yourself and appreciate your community, 
and you'll love, value, and appreciate your brother and sister. And I think that's how you stop, you know, these generational cycles of, of, of pain. Because I think that all we end up doing is redistributing pain to people that look just like us. And I think this is just one of the ways to break the cycle. I agree. And I, I don't think there is enough consideration given to the effects of the so-called war on drugs, mm -hmm. the crack epidemic, uh, mass incarceration, and, and the project systems that have plagued these communities that are now seemingly uh, investment dreams for people who didn't have to withstand the conditions of these That's environments. Right. You know? Right. Huh. Thanks for paving the way. Now get out. The problem with that statement is there's a couple issues here. One on one side of the art, uh, conversation, you have Charlemagne the God or the guard. He is saying he's protecting a woman that supported mass incarceration. Yep. He's done it uh, twice, two times in a row. Uh, he was he was pro Hillary Clinton uh, in the in the general election uh, 2016, which we all know her role in uh, mass incarceration. Uh, if you want to go. Conspiracy theory. We know what the function of Mena, Arkansas, was. Yes, that's um, uh, where the apparently the drugs were flown and the arms were flown for the. Uh, but the drugs came in uh, for the Iran Contra deal and then were sold on the streets of Los Angeles. Correct. And both of these guys are diehard Democrats. On the other side of the conversation, you have Mr. T.I., who um, is one of the founders of what you call trap rap, which is nothing but. Uh, uh, glorifying the, you know, saying the selling of drugs, the killing of young black men. Um, and I, I want to say this: I enjoy rap music just like everybody else. You look, you listen to it like you watch a mob movie or anything else. But when you perpetuate it like a lifestyle to be achieved after, that's the problem I have. And then you want to say, "Oh, we need to blame the war on drugs." Dude, they were they were kicking down doors to take out people like you. Right. You you're saying your music is the one. Uh, that was uh, supporting this lifestyle so much so this guy even opened a trap music museum that looked like a trap house. And what people don't know what a trap house is, it's the same thing as a crack house. And so you had, uh, you got the stove with them cooking crack up and all these things. And you're monetizing this, um, this um, negative behavior in our community that tore it down. So, but then you want to turn around and profit off the results of it. Is uh now so where where is Ti in this? I mean, what side of the fence is he on? He's on the side of the money. He's gonna be <laughs> yeah. he's gonna be the face of Atlanta. Right. I mean, what they did was they found these different hubs. Uh, you have uh Jay Z in New York. You have uh Nipsey in California. You have Ti in Georgia. I'm sure they have somebody in Miami or Florida or somewhere. All these uh opportunity zones. Now um let's. Huh. You know what? I, I, I've killed that horse. I mean, I don't want to keep going down the, the war, but the war on drugs, like I said, um, dude, you the one that you know what I'm saying that glorify this lifestyle that these young men go after, go out, and we talked about how the men were taken out of the household, and these young men without fathers look up to these rappers, and you've profited off this lifestyle. And let's just to be honest, Ti has been very, um, uh, he's benefited from some uh, windfalls from the justice system as well. He was caught with a array of guns mm. being a convicted felon and got like two years, a year or two years. Huh. Tom, come, come on. 
So, I mean, when we look at these people, we got to start asking why are they getting off and then they turn around and push these uh, political um, uh, uh, motives. So the first thing, now, I, first thing I'd ask is who was the district attorney where he was uh, uh, convicted of the weapons charge? That's a good question. And why did why was he given such a been uh, such a lenient sentence? Well, I don't want to see anybody locked up. But then when you get out, now you become this political voice. So much so, um, I, I'm going, I'm skipped over something. I just want to go back. The word opportunity zone. Now you laid out, you said it seems like a tax break, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. It is a tax break. And guess where it came from? Trump's 2017 tax plan. Whoa. <laughs> I would okay, drop my don't. mic if it wasn't, you say on the stand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't, it would break if you did it. Right. But, <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. So these guys are out here benefiting off of track Trump's opportunity zones. At the same time, they're anti-Trump. You're saying speaking to the masses, but they're getting rich off of his. You're saying off of his tax cuts. It's wow, like wow, that is you really have interesting. no moral standing, and that's why I'm so animated about this because it pisses me off so bad. Um, let's just listen to Ti. Um, listen, talk about Donald Trump. If you support Donald Trump. Okay. Oops. You know, sorry, this one. I seen you you're taking some uh, some some shots at, at Trump making a statement. Um take you, those shots. Well, you know what I mean. You know, you're you're telling all your fans, don't mess with him. He misuse and abuse his power to the point where he yeah. uses his money and, and his influence to tell people to do things that are harmful to my people. Well, I just want him to know how frowned upon that is in my community, starting with me. If, if, if I stand on a certain platform and I use my money and my influence to tell all the people that follow me, hey, guess what? If you go and hurt those people, I will pay your legal fees. Right. I will take care Sorry. of you. Hey, if you do this for me, I will make sure that you're straight, that you're straight now. If I do that, you know, that's no, that's no different than... You know, than how they view the leader of some of, you know, some of the the organized crime syndicates. So, I mean, you know, what he's doing is really illegal. If a Trump supporter was a fan of yours, would you would you let him buy your album or would you say, I, mean, I don't want your money? I, 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 I mean, if he if he supports all of his actions, man, right and wrong, I mean, if he supports all of his actions, I honestly am knowledgeable of how he feels. I don't want him to buy my music. I'd yeah. rather he didn't because I just don't think that that's, that, that's not the road that I travel down. Yeah. Some things more important than money to me. Huh. Well, of course, uh, we've got to uh, denounce uh, the evil uh, orange man, but at the same right. time take uh, full advantage. Uh, and it sounds like specifically targeting the use of the, op- uh, the tax break opportunity zone. And did you hear what he said? He said, if you use your platform, there's no... Uh, this is going to affect my people. You know, dude, you're using your platform to affect our people negatively. What are you talking about? These people live in these poor neighborhoods because they have nowhere else to go. Now, let me ask a question. And- let me ask a question. Yes. Uh, these, uh, I, I want to understand these opportunity zones. I never really looked into the Trump tax breaks too deeply because I don't think I qualify for the good stuff. Um uh, are these malintent, these opportunity zones, or is the idea good but being misused, or is it, you know, what do you know about them? I'll let Trump explain opportunity zones to you. 
We want all Americans to share in our great economic renewal. That's why governors in all 50 states and the territories have designated 8,700 neighborhoods as opportunity zones. Hard to believe. 8,700. Household income in these communities is 37 percent less than the median income in a state as a whole. So it's 37 percent down, and we're catching them fast. In order to revitalize these areas, we've lowered the capital gains tax for long-term investment in opportunity zones all the way down to a very big, fat, beautiful number of zero. Zero. All right. All right. Please tell me, then, that these opportunity zones are that, – that the rich – real estate developers are not eligible directly to do something but the intent was to have the community themselves develop and then it would make sense that these opportunity zone uh leeches want to get someone from that community to be their figurehead is that how it how it fits together that's how it fits together damn that is cynical that is cynical and right and 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 the thing is is if you want to be, you know, capitalistic, if you want to make money, that's your thing. But you can't say you're for your people and turn around and use Trump's tax cuts, who you say is the boogeyman, who is a bad guy. You don't tell black people how to take advantage of these things until they're all sold up. Right. I mean, all the property, va- I mean, all the properties, I mean, we're in 2019 now when they start talking about these things. The tax, th- the tax bill went through it in 2017. Two years later, all the good property has been bought up. Right. Um, so it's just it it just drives me crazy. And but, this is but, why I, I do just, this. Just, just I just want to make sure. Okay. Do you know the stipulations about these opportunities? What I'm worried about now that I hear this is mm-hmm. that these opportunity zones were always meant for rich developers, uh, i.e., you know, Donald Trumps and other cities to go around and gentrify everything. Or do you know if there were stipulations that, you know, you couldn't just do that as a regular developer? I mean, do you know any of the background of that? No, it's, it's the wild, wild west. If you got money and you're you want to invest in, in the, in the yeah. opportunity zones and like, uh, uh, let's just go. Not all opportunity zones are created equal. Oh, um, yes, got it. On the one hand, you've got places like Puerto Rico. Basically, the entire island is an opportunity zone, and they are clearly in need of fresh investment. On the other hand, you've got places like the affluent D.C. suburbs, right outside of Washington, the neighborhood where local officials are trying to lure Amazon's HQ2. That is also an opportunity zone. So that report from Brookings found that of the 8,700 opportunity zones across the country, 11% have poverty rates that are actually below the national average. College towns like the one around Texas A&M and the University of Southern California, they also qualify. So the report questions whether this program will really direct money to distressed communities or whether it's just another tax haven for the rich. Now, the Treasury Department says that it intentionally gave states a lot of flexibility to choose which neighborhoods make the cut. And supporters argue they had to strike a balance and look for places that need the investment but also have market potential. Guys, investors are just now starting to raise money and understand how this program is going to work. 2019 will be the real test of whether the cash gets to communities that need it. Back over to you. Okay, so regardless, the smart way, the smart money 
to <laughs> shield themselves from criticism got a lot of these guys and brought them in and said, "Okay, here's your uh, here's your cut, and now uh, let's it's all you, and you're great for your community, and let's go and do it." It's, yep, that's how it works. And the other thing is, if you if you listen closely in that clip, only eleven percent of the opportunity zones are in poor neighborhoods. Oh yeah. So hold on, and this is why I get pissed. At, but that uh, was the that was the governor's choice, if I understood the clip properly. But uh, this is where I get you know what I'm saying a little pissed at Trump and uh, and um uh, uh Ben Carson. Right, and Carson would be involved in that as right. Uh, as this, is HUD. this is HUD. This yeah. is all HUD. Wow. What they did was they took the easy way out. Say states, you pick where the opportunity opportunity zones are. Huh. We won't push back. I mean, so it's like um. So everybody's, you know what I'm saying, you know what I'm saying, absolved of any blame and nothing goes to help the, the majority of what this has been labeled as helping poor people and the poor people that the poor neighborhood that actually help at the people will be displaced. So it's just going to be totally negative, negative for poor people. Um, so, I mean, like you said, if there's nothing there. The, they won't call it an opportunity zone, and then the money won't flow there. Right. And this is where this is where I get pissed at back at Jay Z and uh, Ti and these people. Only eleven percent. Yeah, I'm big on percentages. Let's <laughs> go with the uh, the reparation thing. You can't give me ten percent. You're saying I'm not going to take the kind of cut. Right. You can't say this is opportunity zones and only eleven percent. And I know why they used eleven percent. So you can say over ten percent. You know, it's talking <laughs> points. I know how this game works. Yeah. You know, that's a weird number to use 11%, but this money is not going to flow where it needs to help at all. So it was, all, it was always a failed program to start with. It was a vehicle for when Trump allowed his, you know, saying the rich yeah. to bring their money back on shore. Right, right, right. They needed a tax shelter. And they said, hmm, what tax shelter can we create? Great idea. Opportunity zone. Opportunity zones. The left, uh, the not the left, but the, the, the guys that's supposed to be anti-Trump love it because it's a great word. Opportunity. They're throwing this word opportunity around like, you know, uh, like change mm. in 2008. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, opportunity. Opportunity for everybody. Yeah. No. This this only benefits people with capital gains. And I had a yes. conversation with one of my friends. He's in the real estate. He's an entrepreneur. And he doesn't make enough capital gain to take advantage of this. And if he wanted to take advantage, I wouldn't have a problem with him because he's not out here preaching in the streets about being, you know, uh, being a social justice warrior and a change mm, agent. Right, you know, right. he's trying to make you saying make good on, you know, on his investments. I don't have any problem with that. It's the hypocrisy I have a problem with. <laughs> And Somehow I got a feeling that hedge fund that uh, Charlemagne uh, was talking mm-hmm. about may be involved mm-hmm. in some of these opportunity zones. Am, am I feeling that right, Mo? And you don't even have to invest. Here's the other thing, and you'll see this in my video. You don't even have to invest your money into the zone itself. They create what's called an opportunity fund. So it's a fund is created, yeah. and you invest your money into that fund. Yeah. And then and the thing, here's the kicker. Only thirty percent. And now, now look at this. Listen to these percentages. I know I'm a little animated today, but I, it just—I mean, this is this really gets into my skin. So, eleven percent of all opportunity zones are in poor neighborhoods, and then thirty percent 
of your business only has to take place in the opportunity zone. <laughs> I'm laughing, but it's so cruel. Right. It's, who are we helping here? And you know what? I don't even know if it's a good thing or a bad thing if only 11%, because Jesus Christ, if it was 50 or 60%, you have wiped out. homeless people everywhere. Yeah. yeah. Huh, huh. Wow. Okay. All right. So let's look at the concerns uh, of Opportunity Zones. Well, the government is sweetening the deal for investors who put their money into San Diego's most underserved neighborhoods. It's a potential solution to our housing crisis that we're exploring as part of our Making It in San Diego initiative. Our tenders reporter John Horn explains why longtime residents are concerned that plan could backfire. This intersection overlooks much of the Kalina del Sol neighborhood here in the City Heights area. It's a part of San Diego that Zillow says is ripe for new housing. It's been expensive to live here, but it's expensive to live anywhere. Tommy Barnett has called Kalina del Sol home for the past nine years. The price, like everywhere else, going up. It's starting at 12 or 13 for a one bedroom. Still, the government designated this area as an opportunity zone, or as the IRS puts it, economically distressed. Our region has about 30 of these zones, most in the city of San Diego's inner core. There's nothing around. There's no areas for you to be able to buy or place any new building on it. That now appears to be changing. The Opportunity Zone program, part of 2017 tax reform, offers tax breaks to investors who inject their dollars into these neighborhoods. But instead of making life more affordable, Zillow says home prices in Opportunity Zones grew 20% in a year. There are are still as many questions as there are answers out there. Eric Tilkemeyer does economic development in City Heights, also an opportunity zone. He's working with policymakers to make sure the new investments benefit the community. We're park deficient. Our sidewalks are deplorable in a number of neighborhoods. Our, the walkability is not, is not what it should be. The challenge is all of those same improvements tend to cause gentrification. In other words, keeping residents like Barnett from being priced out of their own neighborhoods. John Horn, 10 News. So I looked up, I live in Austin, Texas. Opportunity zones in the city of Austin. There are 21 census tracts designed as opportunity zones in the city of Austin. And this is something that you may not know, but when, I, when an Austinite reads... The majority of zones are located to the east of Interstate 35, which is where I live, uh, and I see what's going on here. Bingo! Makes total sense. And, and, and just to bring it full circle, now you see why I am hesitant when people say government programs. Yeah. When they talk about reparations. No. Right. You could even fold this into a reparations assistance program. Is that, and this is how, just to, and now we're, we're back where we started. This is when Kamala Harris, black, what, what was what was it? The uh, the housing program she had? You covered it. Um, oh. That was going to help, help black people that she spoke about, the Essence Festival. Oh, oh, it's the... Um... Uh, yes, it's. I know uh, I caught you flat footed. I'm sorry about that. No, 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 it's okay. It was the uh, uh, low income something, but it turned out it was like a a combined under, had to be under $100,000 of income. And that would be, I think, uh, to help people purchase first homes or something. I'm I'm a little little shaky on it, but I do remember the bar was set very high at $100,000, which would mean no way is that just for poor people. So what you have is two. 
college graduates just coming out of college or one college graduate that's you're saying gainfully employed that falls just under that bar. Yep. And they'll come in and buy a condo in these uh, uh, gentrified areas. Um, you you've talked about it before how the people are are okay with living with next to nothing these micro apartments open air um open air dorm rooms oh my god um, it's uh, right in uh south austin on congress avenue they're building micro apartments it's it's and it's you know right near the the main hub of the city they're going to be i think something like 400 square feet or something right <laughs> this and, and I, I covered that in my video. Like I said, I've been on this beat for a minute, but it's just funny that it popped up. Charlemagne's on this panel, this think tank, and this is what the boule looks like, folks. You have politicians, entertainers, media, uh, and you have white backing uh, money. Forbes, Forbes is one that hosted it, and the, for the females, you had politicians, uh, media. They didn't have any entertainers, uh, but they they showed you what how important the entertainers were when they said that uh, Beyonce and Oprah and them were replaced Jesus and yes, MLK. Yes, yes, so, yes, yes. So you see these, uh, and it was backed by the Brookings Institute. So you see these large, uh, majority white uh, groups funding how black people should think. And I'm not. I, this is where I, what gets me. This is not for your everyday working class black person. No. This is to get us in line to vote the way they want us to vote, to think the way they want us to think. Uh, while the top 10%, uh, Boo Boole, Talent 10th, whatever you want to call them, profit off of steering us the way they want to go. And this is, this is why I do this show, Adam. This is why I do the show, because it gives me a platform to, one, break down the media uh, I've learned a lot from you and John on how to to do this, um, to take what the media does and turn it around on them, and you know, and you know, really break it down. And two, to make people show show people they have power. Uh, if you know how they're going to come at you, yes, and and uh, you really blew my mind with this one because I, if there's anything I follow very closely, it's chronic uh, unhoused. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't. I don't like saying homeless because a home. Uh, if you look in the dictionary, has nothing to do with a shelter. It is literally your community, your people. So you can be living under I thirty five, and you can be a, that can be your home. But the unhoused, and I've been to San Diego, I've been to San Jose, I've lived in San Francisco, I've lived in Los Angeles. It, it appears to me now, with taking all this information into account, that a lot of the chronic homelessness we're seeing, to use that word is it could possibly be from these opportunity zones they're economic refugees and uh looking at some important dates uh there's a december 31st 2019 which is i guess is phase one of the opportunity zone and then there's 2021 2026 2028 wow uh that's mind-blowing so in almost directly this tax cut could be fueling people have living in cars and vans and RVs. You know what? And and the although thing I, is, although they're not white in Austin, they're not black in Austin. The the unhoused are predominantly white. It's this is a port and this is another reason for this show. We have to get past 
Not and I know I'm not living in a colorblind society. This is we've had this talk before. We need a need for black people. We need a need for white people. We don't need to be this uh, homogenous uh, society. I like you know saying uh, pockets of different cultures, and we all contribute what we bring to the table. But we have to realize we have a common enemy, and the common enemy is the elite. Yeah, they look at us as an inconvenience, and anytime they can make a dollar or uh, a one uh, one tenth of a percent, you're saying more profit. It doesn't matter who it impacts. You know, uh, move is how they look at it. You know, um, (laughs) pack up and move. Yeah. And where it really hits home at is if you have say, okay, say if in my case, if my parents owned a home and, you know, and they left it to me, they willed it to me and it was a hundred thousand dollars. And now it's it's opportunities on drives it up to 200, $250,000. Would I sell? I don't know. Right. But when you do, when you sell that or you have an apartment building, you know, it's in this, and you know, you're doing section eight in these programs. Mm. Um, when you sell it, where do those people go? The, 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 these, these neighborhoods, whether it's white or black is the last stop. And, and me and my friend, I know we might be going a little long, but I just want to make this one last point. It's like Monopoly. You know, I mean, how the board is set up. And the first two stops on Monopoly are the dark purple pieces. But when you get hotels on those, you have nowhere to stay. Right. If you're poor in the, in the <laughs> Monopoly game, you just, you, you just pray. It's a, it's a great analogy for, for life, isn't it? it, it really... Right. You just pray that you don't land on anywhere you can afford, but there's nowhere to land <laughs> except jail or free parking. That's, That's it. A- Wow. How that how that mimics life is just frightening. <laughs> frightening. Mo, thank you so much for opening my eyes to that. I I, I got to spend the rest of the day looking at these uh, opportunity zones and where they are. This is, this is blowing my mind. It really is. I, I, I appreciate every Monday we have, Adam. Yeah, it, it's uh, opportunity. <laughs> yes. Well, we got we got our own opportunity zone and we'll do it again for you next Monday with the next installment of Mo Facts with Adam Curry. Thanks, Mo. Talk to you next week. All right. See you next week, Adam. All right. Bye-bye, everybody. Thank you.